Hello, everybody. Uh, last episode, I uh, I misspoke, um, and I need to need to correct the record. I need to, as they say, eat crow. Uh, I mentioned that someone uses an e-bike to ride like ten to fifteen kilometers a day uh, during the summer, but in reality, this individual rides twenty kilometers a day uh, during the summer using their e-bike. Just want to not slander anyone, and uh, you know, just uh, rectify any any. Uh, errors I made in the last podcast. Uh, thank you for you know allowing me to eat crow and uh, enjoy this month's episode. Hello everyone, welcome back or welcome to the Earth Decor Eat podcast. Today we're going to talk about bikes. Evan's here. What's up? Hello, hello. nice to be here. Hello. Nice to see you. Now that we <laughs> all have a PhD in being a Dutch citizen, um, from, your, from your last episode, we're we're here to talk a little bit about the history of bikes. Um, I've I've actually uh, I've been wanting to do a master's because you, you get paid more as a teacher if you have a master's. Okay. And uh, I can't find a master's that's just on the history of bicycles. You know. There might be there might be one in the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go be an international student. Um, you know you know when you're watching those documentaries and they have someone talk and they have like the stupidest like tagline under them. I, I want yeah. I want to be that person and my tagline is like bicycle historian. <laughs> yeah, goldfish specialist, bike historian, yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think. So it, it doesn't matter which which master you get as as long as you have one, you get paid a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Nice. Um, so it's a pretty, pretty abusable system, and I would love to, uh, love to do it. Abuse it. <laughs> oh, nice. You oh, yeah. Argue, no, definitely you should get that. You could argue a history degree would be useful um, as a science teacher, maybe not, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> biology, who needs it? Yeah, yeah. The, bi- yeah, the biology about- of the bike. Um, yeah, learning learning bike. about the history of of two of a two wheeled uh, two wheeled instrument is uh, will definitely strengthen your biology teaching skills. So, I mean, if we talk about riding them, that's kind of biology. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. That being said, we're not going to really talk about riding bikes today as much as like the different uh, changes in in um, bike and history and and sort of like what. Um, has been added to the bike over time to, to make it go from like the invention that we would recognize today as a, as a bike-like thing. Um, but uh, well, actually even more so now because they're kind of coming back in style um, to the, the like, Uber bikes that they, they ride in the, the pro scene, the Tour de France of the modern day. Um, are you excited? I'm stoked. I can't wait to hear what you've uh, what you've got to share about uh, the history of bikes. I I don't really know a lot about it, um, so I'm I'm curious to hear what you say. This is the only time I've started talking about the history of bikes, and someone has not had their eyes glazed over. <laughs> you heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's responded positively. Yeah, that's, that's why you bring me on. <laughs> um, the token friend, the token bike history friend. Yeah. So if. <laughs> Without without looking at the script I shared with you, um, you might have already seen it. Which country do you think the bike was invented in? I I don't think it would have been the Netherlands, even though they use it the most now. I would think maybe Italy, maybe or um, or maybe some 
some something totally out of left field, like maybe from China, or some some one of the dynasty, the pre, the foreign di- or the uh, historic dynasties in China. Maybe I don't know. Actually, the the bike is uh, uh, was very important during like the communist China era, um, but no, yeah. it's not invented there. Um, and actually, it was it was a common thing that people thought bikes were invented in Italy. Um, so some monks were they were going through Leonardo da Vinci's uh, stuff, and they were actually like kind of um, I know like darkening the lines. They they were essentially making sure all of his like notes and stuff would not be destroyed, and they wouldn't like fade away. Um, right. That, that included actually like pulling apart pages and stuff like that. And uh, one of the the monks saw this like image. Um, that I, I assume was just like two two circles kind of near each other, mm. and, right. uh, and the monk actually kind of drew, drew in uh, what looks like a modern day bicycle. Yeah. Um, and for a while, you know, Italians, you know, claimed that they uh, Leonardo da Vinci had actually <laughs> invented the bike in 1493, but uh, wasn't able to make it, wasn't able to build it. Um, right. Honestly, um, if when it comes when it comes to um, the bike, you know the the inventors of the bike, um, which we'll get into, may may have built the bike, the practical machine of the bicycle. Uh, but I would say it's the Italians that turned the bike into an art piece um, <clears throat> through through their like designs, uh, through their riders, you know, through uh, just like Italian culture surrounding the bike. And we find yeah. like, lots of current current bike uh, words are Italian and French, uh, partly because you know Italians are so important to biking culture. But uh, yeah, um, common misconception: Leonardo da Vinci did not invent the bike. Um, and 1493, um, even though I'm sure you know, as soon as you had the wheel invented, arguably you could have invented the bike. Sure. Um, you know, because it's just two wheels that are, you know, one behind another that are connected some way uh, that a person can sit on and essentially ride, right? It's a, it's very right. simple. Um, but funny enough, it took till 1817 for our first uh, sort of bike to be made. Yeah. Um, so in 1817, there was a, um, a hay shortage. Okay. Um, <laughs> meaning that like horses uh were obviously more expensive to keep and stuff like that and and horses were pretty important for moving far and moving fast um i feel like we could have did a better joke with the hay shortage uh, <laughs> no, no one was talking to each other everyone uh because because horses were too expensive or whatever um so, tough life yeah, yeah. So a German man um, named Karl Drace, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He's obviously got a longer name because he's a, a German aristocrat. Um, invented what we kind of call like you know the Dracine, I believe is is how it's pronounced. And basically, if you've ever seen a kid on a balance bike, that's more or less what he invented. A, ba- a balance bike. Yeah. So what's that? Um, these are bikes and the, the version that you'll see kids on just look like bikes, uh, like an everyday bike, uh, but don't have pedals. 
Um, ah, okay. The kid, the kid rides it um, by, you know, putting generally one foot on the ground at a time and kicking off. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's really... Kind of like the, duck walking. Yeah. Um, they, they called these running machines. Um, there's a German word for that. I'm not going to try and pronounce it. And his, his version was wooden. Uh, it was very heavy. It was wooden wheels. Um, the steering, you wouldn't recognize it today as like a modern bike steering. Um, yeah. And the, the seat was obviously, you know, not soft. Um, and it was literally like a straight board. Um, yeah. Straight board that led, and the, the front and the back essentially looked the same. Whereas now they look very different on the modern bike. You have like the rear triangle. But uh, they essentially yeah. look the same. There's a little steering thing on the front wheel. Um, yeah. And, and he, he brought this out and he, you know, put in the newspaper or whatever, hey, I'm going to show off my running machine on, you know, this day. Um, <laughs> and he came out and he did it. Um, he he yeah. showed it off. And, uh, and the women just swooned, right? Like the women, they just swooned on this man. Uh, yeah. I, I imagine. Because he, he literally had wheels. He had um, wheels. Yeah, yeah. Literally, literally had wheels. Um, I imagine any cyclist at this time, even though they didn't exist, uh, because this bikes weren't invented yet, probably assumed he was an arrow and therefore not worth their time. Um, but this this really sped stuff up um, because you were kind of well, like also, running. I, I can imagine like the, you know, even though the, the wheel has existed for a long time, the first wheel was made of stone. The next wheel was made of wood. Yeah. You know, and, and neither of which were appropriate materials to make a bike and, and like the, the metal rimmed the, the the metal rims of a of a bike are are more so something uh, an invention, I guess, of of a more recent um, you know, like that 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 actually makes it uh, a light a lightweight wheel is something of that wasn't really available before, I suppose. Oh, and this was not lightweight. This was not, no. there wasn't even a, a metal rim. It was a completely wooden machine. Um, <laughs> there might have there might have been some leather on the seat post. Like, yeah. if you can imagine, um, like a, oh, what are they called? They have the two legs and then, like a sawhorse. Sure, yeah. Like, imagine. It's like a sawhorse with wheels. Like wheels and something on the front yeah. end so you can, like, move the front. That is, that is yeah. essentially what it looks like. Um. The people were able to move a lot faster because of it. Um, sure. Think about, like, you know, taking a lot of time off your mile. Um, so, you know, they actually took off. Uh, they they sure. became very popular in Germany and in on the continent. Uh, they generally stayed made out of wood. Um, when they came into London, uh, London's a very important city, and, and the UK in general is a very important uh, in at least... I'm not going to say the British people invented all these things that they, they claim to have invented. Um, it's just that, like, when you search the patents, um, generally you have English-speaking people searching patents. Of course, they search the UK, and then generally, like, a British person is like, well, they invented it. Um, yeah. But once once they, they kind of got uh, to the island, um, to the UK, then people started making some parts out of metal, uh, which actually okay. made the bike a lot while the... Um, the running machine, uh, a lot lighter. Yeah. And aristocrats just seem to love these things. Um, imagine, <laughs> imagine you're in a park in London and you have all these like dudes dressed up in their like, um, I don't know if you've watched, uh, oh, what's the show? 
um, where they get married. Downton Abbey. Downton, Downton Abbey. Abbey. Yeah. Or or Bridgerton. Um, yeah. A bunch, of, a bunch of people, probably men, dressed like that because uh, women weren't out of like large dresses yet. Um, running yeah. around parks on those things. Yeah. Yeah. That, I can see. I can see that being uh, a very a very bizarre sight. You know, if you've never seen anybody move around that fast without. Yeah, without any animal or without any <laughs> propulsion, essentially, I can see uh, that would be quite the quite the sight. Yeah, hmm. and like these early machines were expensive; uh, they weren't really like for they a were, common eh? person. Um, yeah, so they were, they were kind of like a, almost a status symbol, I suppose. Yeah. And and when you have like a a dumb thing, rich people can spend money on. <laughs> they, they <laughs> They're gonna spend do. money on it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of a humble beginning of our bike. Um, yeah. Funny enough, like as these things start being built, and this for every every kind of invention we hit here, um, riding schools would crop up. And people, schools people would, ride. Yeah, yeah, people would get like big buildings, and uh, they'd have these like obviously like rich people like drive in a circle and like tell them how to drive but um if you've ever seen like a child ride one of these balance bikes you don't yeah. need to go to a school to do it it's incredibly natural no. major money grab yeah um <laughs> like that being said obviously riding a bike is difficult uh but you know it's pretty it's pretty learnable yeah um, sure and and riding schools were, were kind of like a constant throughout the 1800s on like okay. when, whenever a new bike bicycle thing came out, um, people would you know pay money to learn how to do it. Um, <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah. <laughs> so on to on to here we we have um, what kind of looks like the mo well our earliest thing. Um, we're gonna skip all the way to eighteen sixty. Now I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of efficiencies uh, between 1817 and 1860, um, but this is the first time someone decided to put uh, pedals and cranks on a bike. Okay. Um. So before before then, like every bike was a balance bike, but once we once we hit 1860, we we invented pedals, essentially. And mm -hmm. uh, funny enough, um, they put the pedals on the front wheel. Um, okay, front wheel drive. Yeah, all all early bikes were front wheel drive, um, and there was no there's no chain, um, at all. So if you think of like right. a trike, like a child, yeah, like a child's trike, like that's essentially what what they were. And and of course these bikes could go faster. Um, now though, you also needed a balance on a bike. Yeah. Um, because on a, on a running machine on on your dray scene. You don't really need a balance because a foot's hitting the ground. Sure. And you're generally like pushing maybe left, right, left, right. So you're constantly like catching your balance. Yeah. Um, and funny thing is, most people, when they start to tip on a bike, they try to counter steer. Um, right. But what you need to do is steer into it to change, like move the center of gravity under where you're going. Um, sure. Which made these bikes incredibly tippy. And most of these people who are riding them were like, you know, they picked them up for like a weekend, um, you know, and, and then they were like kind of bored of them, right? Like these people, um, yeah, they, they still weren't a super uh, machine for everyone. Right. Sure, you had, you had more people, they were, they were becoming more and more like accessible, but they, they weren't like the, 
bike we know as now is like something everyone kind of has. Well, not yeah. really. But um, this this leads to probably our favorite um, bike invention is uh, actually sorry sorry we got we got a few more things before we get to it. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, uh, we'll we'll skip ahead to it. Let's do it. So, what's your what's your favorite type of bike, Evan? Out of curiosity. Well, my favorite type of bike is a bike that 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 both shows wealth and sophistication, ah. and is also timeless. Timelessly achieves that end goal, and therefore, my favorite bike is the Penny Farth, Penny Farthing. Yes, uh, the Penny Farthing. No question. Oh yeah, for sure. Nothing, nothing says I'm better than you than hopping on a penny farthing and riding. No, I agree. I have, I have a, I have a standing desk, and I, and I still think that the penny farthing out trumps that. Oh, wow. in terms of saying I'm better than you. Wow, I was, I was debating, um, just for this podcast, you know, buying one of those really expensive like self cleaning water bottles. They're like, okay, you know, two hundred dollars. Um, yeah, I've seen them. And, and, but I was like, you know what? I could just buy a penny farthing instead. Exactly. Exactly. And then you'll still have that same sense of superiority yeah. that, that is just, you know, founded in truth than that you wouldn't with any other thing, you know, whether you donate money or you know, name, name an act. It's not, uh, it's not quite the same. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, the first person who steps on Mars... Um, is instantly going to be dwarfed in their achievement by the first person who rides a penny farthing on Mars, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. Like you can't. You, there's nothing quite, uh, quite more distinguished than that, regardless of the planet or what you're doing. <laughs> um, so the penny farthing was this weird time in bicycles. So the pedals are still on the front, um, front of the like. Um, front wheel and if you know anything about gears um you'll kind of understand like you know the if you have a big gear um it needs to turn kind of less to necessarily go faster or whatever however gears work i'm not sure right due Um, to the ratios the gearing ratios and instead of implying it uh by like you know a chain and stuff like that uh they, they applied it into tires um, okay. And that's where, that's where the penny farthing came from. You had this, this really big front tire. Yeah. And a very small back tire. Um, and were, were they pneumatic tires, like filled with air? Or were they solid rubber? One, hold on. Um, they would have been solid rubber for the first, <laughs> Oof. For the first little bit. Uh, for the first, you know, like t- 18 years. Uh penny farthings um in general they were they were ridden by mostly men um, right and and mostly kind of daring people so you wouldn't even have like that many older men because they they're just in, inherently dangerous yeah um, well how, how tall is a penny farthing uh like the the point where you're stand where you're sitting um uh, let's google that um uh, how tall are penny farthings um like obviously, if you fall down, um, it's it's gonna hurt. Let's see. From Google, it says it's two meters high, 
<laughs> Jeez. Um, which it's just insane. Um, they they were yeah, a lot pretty easy faster. to get a concussion from way up there. Yeah, um, they were a lot lot faster um, because of the big wheel. They were also sure. be as as we said, uh, they didn't have the pneumatic tire yet. Um, mm -hmm. So there's also a lot more shock absorption because you you had this uh, you know giant rubber tire. Um, sure. They they look honest, honestly kind of cool. Um, I, I like cool. the design. It's it's super dumb, <laughs> but like they're they're fun. They're fun to look at, and people race them quite a bit. Um, Still, now not back necessarily more now. Like, in the I'm day. sure I'm sure there's people kind of like you know the Ren Fair people uh, for bikes yeah. that race penny farthings, but like when they came out, yeah. like people people would go bananas to watch these races. Like they would they'd be on a track. Um, and think, think about a track with like, kind of, um, like not flat, you know, with the built up corners. Right. Yeah. Um, you've got the, the angled, angled corners. Yeah. Like pe people would race those on, on those tracks. Um, and I imagine it just looked ridiculous. Um, but also they'd be, they'd be going quite fast and I'm sure it'd be a good time. And two meters up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if, if someone falls. Plus your height. Yeah. Two meters up plus plus the height of your torso, so And then and then getting ran over by the person behind you. Because like to break these things, um they they were essentially fixies. So you just have to like pedal backwards. Oh I, man. I don't believe they had coaster brakes. Um no. at that time. So all all you could do to like stop was just instead of pedaling forward, like try and force your pedals backwards. But of course you're gonna have too much momentum. Um, yeah, on that gigantic wheel. Yeah, so I imagine super dangerous. And uh, when you, when you look into penny farthings, like the average person wasn't really riding them because of the danger thing. Um, yeah. Also, like if you're on cobblestone streets riding that thing, like yeah, yeah, you're really you're really not going anywhere. Um, well, that's like uh, if they're two meters high. That that's like. Imagine somehow um, sitting on top of a ten foot ladder, and 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 bike, or I guess an eight foot ladder, yeah. and biking around, like yeah, like somehow balance, balancing on top of one of those things and biking around. So you're at that level, and going like thirty kilometers an hour, like you're you're at the height you're at the height of like a jacked up truck. <laughs> Literally, um, um, we should we should start. Um... We should start some some rumor. You know, you know how people always get mad when they think like um, people on the political left are trying to like make some sort of safety thing that might take away something. Yeah. Um, we should we should start a rumor that uh, Biden's gonna take away the penny farthings. <laughs> <laughs> and and watch watch the like jacked up truck, the like Dodge Ram types all all get yeah. penny farthings. Take take up penny farthing. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember when remember when Biden crashed his bike? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was too funny. <laughs> you just do it out of spite. How do you know your world leader isn't isn't Dutch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> As and he was wearing a helmet too. He's wearing a helmet though. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if you legally have to wear a helmet if you're like the president of the United States. Well, if if, if you're if you're above the age of eighty, then you probably should wear a helmet. 
not not even just for biking um <laughs> every, everyday use for every day every day they gotta wear one <laughs> um mark twain has a really funny quote about penny farthings um oh really i'll pull that up um it's in it's in one of the books i have but um i'm too lazy to to look it up in the book um so like he he learned how to how to ride a penny farthing he went to one of these like uh um schools yeah and uh and he wrote uh or he said learn to ride a bicycle uh you will not regret it if you live um (laughs) if you live okay because again like there's not a lot of cultural understanding of how bikes work or uh or people aren't learning how to ride them as kids at this time sure everyone was learning them as adults yeah so you know as a kid think about all the times you fell off your bike yeah sure it it definitely hurt for the time but you were a kid and you could just kind of get up and deal with it um you also weren't falling from that high yeah sure as a kid you know you're generally like flexible and stuff Um, yeah but but think about like these people that don't know what stretching is (laughs) yeah and you know life expectancy wasn't the greatest um none none of them were really healthy um especially especially well the the saying should have been uh what what was the saying again um so the direct quote oh did i exit out um learn to ride a bicycle you won't regret it if you live well, you're more regretted anyway because you're not going to live very long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Life expectancy is like 45, so. <laughs> yeah. And like exercising wasn't really a thing at this time. And the people you have riding these bikes are definitely not the people out working in the field. Um, no. So you have these like Victorian London people who like, you know, sit around and, or, or authors uh, in the case of Mark yeah. Twain. Um, who I'm just going to assume their, their health isn't the best in terms of like, they're not doing yoga. Um, no just like crash <laughs> crashing off their penny farthings and then like oh yeah um this is this is high society life yeah <laughs> this is this is this is what peak arist- aristocracy looks like <laughs> <laughs> we've peaked as a species <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and mark, and mark twain making that realization <laughs> yeah uh, we've got sidetracked, but you could you could argue there's no track to this conversation. Um, all right, I, I want to talk about uh, two more things that claim they were invented in 1969, or at least my my research comes from that. Um, 1969. Sorry, 1869. Um, okay. And around this time. Like, the the actual like modern sort of day bicycle was invented in in the 1870s in that era um early okay. 1980s and that you had um like an actual front crank that drives the back wheel uh connected by a right. chain like that that did end up becoming a thing around this time um and there's some some major inventions that I, I do want to talk about, and uh, okay. first, kind of kind of also links to the penny farthing as we talked about. Like if you need to brake, you're pedaling backwards, um, because the there's no there's no line for you. Um, 
and early bicycles are what we call fixies um, nowadays. Right. And uh, and fixie culture is is really tied to uh, like modern fix, fixie culture is really tied to like bike messengers. Um, right. You know, back before email and stuff, when when you had to you know deliver some paper to the other side of New York. Um, You'd, you'd have these people riding these fixies um, and these these are bikes they, they did have a regular chain and everything um, but no freewheel meaning that the wheels only going kind of as fast as the pedal um, obviously you have right. bearings but you you can't you can't coast on these bikes sure if that makes sense so whatever your yeah. gearing is um, but if you're back what if your wheels turning your pedals are turning yeah um and these these people they're they're riding these these fixies and kind of everyone was riding fixies at this time, um, and generally yes to brake like fixies historically did not have brakes um, on them and you you just you know brake by pedaling backwards and and fighting the the momentum there. Right. Um, so basically, like downhills are the the enemy of fixies. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because because your 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 you'll turn your legs will turn into a cartoon basically. Yeah, like I, I imagine your only you know safe option is to sit and like raise your legs. <laughs> <laughs> like you're driving through a puddle. <laughs> yeah, and, and then and then try like try and get your legs back onto the pedals without crashing. Um, yeah. But who who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, eventually the free well, in 1969 or sorry 1869, uh, the free wheel was invented. Uh, okay. Put put an end to fixies, um, at least for the average person. Sure. Because, like, imagine trying to ride a bike uh, nowadays that that is a fixie if you're not used to it. Yeah. Like it, I I think the skill the the barrier of entry is a lot higher. Um, sure. And I, and I think the freewheel is, is a pretty major invention in making like the bicycle actually usable for the vast majority of the population. Sure. Yeah. Um, as, as well, like with the, the freewheel, um, oh, where was I going with this? Like you, you start to, people start to invent brakes and stuff like that. Um, I don't have any of the information on the history of brakes in, in my script here. Um, but gen generally, like brakes come in two two types. You have rim brakes, um, which are just like kind of like car brakes, where you squeeze the brake thing, and then it squeezes the rim of the tire. Um, and then you have disc brakes. But uh, we we won't talk about that any any longer. Um, yeah, the free wheel was invented. Uh, very important thing, I think. Um, another thing in 1869 is. Uh, so this guy named James Moore, uh, now he's a British guy, obviously, but he grew up in Paris, um, and he's okay. a bike racer. And, um, weirdly enough, a lot of inventions in the bike happen in, uh, in the UK. Uh, but the UK government never really liked bikes. Um, through, throughout the, the kind of 1800s and stuff, while the average person really liked bikes, uh, governments kind of thought them unsafe and uh, they had to compete with the horse and carriage lobby. Um, sure. The lob there was a horse and carriage lobby. Yeah. So if you, if you think about like all the stuff, you know, um, people who like cars um, mm -hmm. say, say about bikes nowadays to be like, yeah, we don't want bikes in our cities. Um, sure. Like the infrastructure was for horses and carriages, right? 
Yeah. Um, but but you have you have these people on bikes now, and bikes generally going to scare horses. Sure. Um, and like like modern day infrastructure, you know, you have a, a maybe a sidewalk or the pavement for for a walker, and sure. the the road is for your horse and carriage or your car. Um, right. And, and where does the bike go? Yeah. Yeah. No, fair, fair enough. Like it didn't, it didn't fit into uh, what they were doing at the time. So, so yeah, I see, see why they did that, but it's still, it's still just kind of funny that like all the things that exist now for, for our current, uh, for our current relevant modes of transportation and, and relevant, yeah, relevant areas of interest existed back then, except for now totally antiquated causes essentially. Yeah. And and funny enough, like the the early bicycle lobby uh, really pushed for like paving roads and stuff. Um, like they, there was a pretty big bicycle lobby. Um, we'll we'll probably do an episode on like the cultural changes due to the bicycle at some time. Uh, so I don't want to get yeah. too much into them. Um, yeah. But James James Moore as as a bike racer um, lived in Paris. And part of the reason was because on the continent, the governments were a little bit more friendlier to bikes. Um, so he was so he was so into biking that he moved countries to be in in a in a country that's more bike friendly. Uh, modern modern day me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and on the continent, they did these things called uh, called mass start races, or or as you may okay. recognize, uh, a race <laughs> where everyone starts at the same time. <laughs> Right, okay. <laughs> um, and in in the UK, they generally only did time trials because, sure. like, you know, you could have one rider out uh, doing a time trial. They don't have to compete necessarily as much with traffic and stuff like that. Um, and then you just have like your timer, right? Sure. Versus like on on the the continent, like, you know, you could start making money by hosting races and early bike racing. Honestly, super lit. Um, we'll, we'll definitely do an episode on the history of the Tour de France, but like early bike racing, um, like people just beat up riders if they didn't like them. really. <laughs> yeah, or not like, helmet in sight either. Like throwing throwing nails on the on the road, perfectly okay. Oh, <laughs> awesome, <laughs> perfectly calm. <laughs> so it was it was more it was more like a, it was more like playing Mario Kart. Yeah, it was it was literally death race or Mario Kart. Um, <laughs> but uh, this this race um, called. And races are generally named by their start city and end city. So this is Paris right. to Rouen, R O U E N. Yeah. And uh, and James Moore showed up, and uh, James Moore won. He he won quite handily uh, this race, and we we don't need to talk about like how fast he won, uh, but he won because of a simple thing. Um, so you know when you like turn your pedals um if you if you don't maintain that that crank well enough you you might uh you might hear some like squeaking noises sure um and obviously i imagine everyone had a very squeaky crank at this era um because yeah james james moore showed up with uh with ball bearings in in the crank of his bicycle yeah Um, interesting so ball bearings of course they are whenever you have two kind of flat pieces of metal that need to like move around each other mm-hmm. or, or kind of like move together you're gonna have friction yeah 
Um, yeah. to reduce, reduce that friction, ball bearings are just little metal balls um, that are generally packed in an oil. Sure. Um, and that just reduces friction in the rotating or rotation. Yeah. Um, so he showed up with those and just absolutely like trumped everyone. Yeah. And, and, and now did he, did he develop ball bearings for this or was this like an application from outside of biking? No, this is an application from outside of biking. So, um, sim yeah. similar to the chain, which we, we didn't really talk about chaining, chaining and gears in this, uh, this mm -hmm. episode. We won't really talk about that, but that is, is straight stolen for, or taken from industry. Um, yeah. Like this existed in machines and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. Like at this time, ball bearings were generally like made by hand almost. Um, yeah. So it it actually as soon as it became like part of bicycle biking, uh, part of bike building, like the ball bearing industry just like shot up, um, <laughs> and became became like a huge industry uh, before. Obviously, it, it as soon as you could like automate that process with machines, yeah. you like did. Um, yeah, but yeah, for, for quite a long time, for, there's quite a significant amount of people just like their job was to make tiny little ball bearings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, of course you, you find ball bearings in like the crank, um, you find it in the headset, um, like where you, where you turn, yeah. um, they're in there. They're also in your wheels, uh, in the center sure. of the wheels. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and this guy only, but this guy brought it only into his crank. I believe so. And it yeah. was just so, so much more efficient that like no one else could touch him. Yeah. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> which I, I, I think is, is a really neat thing. Um, and it's definitely yeah. like one of those things you wouldn't think about. Um, and, and that's yeah. kind of why I wanted to highlight like ball bearings and the flywheel, um, in, in this episode, even, even like pedals, um, like these things were used for other things. They were used for machines. Like the industrial revolution is happening around this time. Sure. And and I imagine someone's just working in this factory for like twelve hours a day and like thinking about going biking. But they're like, <laughs> Oh, I wonder I wonder how I could, you know, look at this machine that has a chain that's like driving these gears. I wonder if I could put that on my bike. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's a, it's quite in fact where where you see kind of a crossover from one from one application to another or from one industry to another. I I remember reading about um, post World War II, you had a lot of the aircraft mechanics that 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 you know became well versed in uh, in in aircraft technology. They then came back to you know, their normal jobs, which was working on cars. And they brought all that new, that new knowledge of kind of how things are done with, with, with aircraft to cars. And then they started using, for example, alternative types of fuel. They started using superchargers and turbochargers more commonly, whereas before they just weren't used as much. Um, but then even for example, um, you know, like a, the car, the, the first cars, uh, and and or trains for that matter were based on the the technology that was used with horses. So you know the first car looked basically like a horse uh, like a horse drawn carriage, yeah. except that there's no horses. Like the people sat on it the same. It wasn't covered. It wasn't you know it like it was just a carriage. And then same with um like the seating pattern in a traditional in a traditional train. You have the cabin with two benches that face one another. That's the exact same as a stagecoach. 
you know, so people take uh, it, it's to say that something is, you know, um, is a new idea or is is immaculately conceived is just it's almost impossible. You know, like it, it, everything, every creation or every new invention takes inspiration from something else and, and iterates on that to the next to the next step. Um, and it's, it's just neat to see where the roots, where the roots come from. Um, also in this, in this case for ball bearings, uh, and its application within bikes. I, I also, yeah, like it's, it's such a like incremental process and, uh, we're only, we're literally only, uh, just to double check the script here. Um, we're only really in the, you know, 1870s, uh, when the bike was invented in the 18, 1817. So it's only been like, you know, not quite 60 years. Mm-hmm. And, and we've, we've gone from, you know, a balance bike to really like um, an almost modern bicycle. Sure. Um, yeah, that's pretty quick. Let's let's talk about um, where we really hit that modern bicycle. And I might have talked about this last episode, I forget. Um, and that is 1885 um, with the Rover safety bike. Um, so in 1885, this is when the modern, like, this is as far back as you could go in time, um, to, to get to, to your Rover safety bike, where if you were on a bike in 2023, you would know how to ride it. You'd be fine. And in, in that, right. um, we got rid of, you know, the penny farthing had two different size wheels. We got rid of that. That's too bad. Um, we... We have our, you know, chain. Um, we have our gears. Well, a single gear, I guess. Um, and this was really like put out as a as a penny farthing killer um, on the market. Um, yeah. And that uh, is invented by John Kemp Starley. Um, it and it basically has all the all the things you know a, a regular bike has. It, it has a seat uh, that we recognize. Um, its design is you know two or at least a triangle. Um, originally, it, it only was one triangle, but uh, eventually they they put the seat post there, which gives that like two triangle design. The wheels are the same size. Um, it has handlebars that we'd recognize as like handlebars of a cruiser bike. Um, or maybe like an old lady bike if uh if that helps um you know it has the top tube and then the down tube um you know front front wheel steers the back wheels your driving wheel and uh and at this point um biking took off for sure like there's no stopping it anymore yeah interesting Um, because at, at this time like the bike was such an easy thing to ride. Um, it, it went back to that sort of design that we had with the original running machines. Um, and yeah. Both your both your feet can touch the ground. Yeah. Um, so on a penny farthing, like you can't touch the ground. Um, yeah. But but on on your rover safety, like it's literally safe to ride. It's safe for everyone. Yeah, and then it also had the crank and everything, like, it was normal. Yeah, and it, it was efficient enough that, like, you could ride it without being, you know, too hench, I guess. Um, but, 
Like super cool. Look up look up a picture of the rover safety bike. Or do you want yeah, I'm just doing. Oh yeah, that looks normal. That looks like a normal bike. Yeah, like I, just I like, personally yeah. really want one. Um, I I want I want one to go on my wall. Uh, bike as an art, but uh, yeah, it doesn't have um a stem, uh, a seat no. stem. No, it doesn't have that. That's um, the only thing it's missing. That came very very soon after. I can imagine, yeah. So the really only thing you wouldn't have, the only feature you wouldn't have necessarily is like uh, you wouldn't be able to make your seat go up and down. Right. Um, well, also structurally, um, it's a little bit precarious, I think, here. But... Yeah. Um, because that, that obviously the center stem makes it a lot you know, safer as a shape, uh, more secure yeah. shape. But I also, I, I don't think anyone riding these was like, you know, crushing the bike. Um, no these would have been all steel frames by this point um yeah it would have been really little wood used on the bike um though some of the people in the early tour de france were still using like wooden grips on their handlebars um, yeah you had had a leather seat most likely um but yeah pretty pretty modern except for the tires the tires in the very early models uh to my knowledge would have been you know solid rubber yeah um, which is obviously not super comfortable yeah no kidding um <laughs> but yeah super lit um this is where kind of everyone started biking as well so yeah. you know not just the men uh but the women and the children too as you know like no no one's gonna really hurt themselves um and you could move so much faster than on foot right you didn't need a horse or you you didn't need to like you know um hitch your horse up anywhere you could you know ride your bike uh it, it actually it allowed a lot of freedom um bikes are, are also very important in like first wave feminism or like early mm -hmm. feminism um it got got the the women out of the dresses so yeah you can't really ride a ride a bike in a dress um well not the dresses that they had at least at that before that no not not those victorian dresses um, no because i can tell you the dutch, the dutch they find a way that even nowadays to bike in a dress so <laughs> i mean if there's anything with a bike that's possible the dutch will do it and uh, <laughs> um all right interesting so of course, you're you're still riding on cobblestone, uh, which probably sucks, and uh, you know it's it's not that it's not that nice. Um, so early bikes, one of the nicknames they got was uh, was bone shakers, because um, you could imagine riding these things right and literally being shooken. Yeah. Um, especially at high speeds. Now, lots of these you would have been riding on like you know, dirt. Uh, yeah. Or in grass or something or in mud. Um, yeah. But if you're if you're on any cobblestone, like good luck. Um, now, there's there's a story about the first pneumatic tire um, that some some dentist kid would like ride his bike to school and he s kept on complaining about getting headaches because he was shooking so much. Uh, so his dad, invented, <laughs> his dad, who's a dentist, invented the tire. Um, but there's a patent okay. by a, a Scottish dude that came out earlier and i believe he invented them as a uh, uh the guy who actually invented it invented it as like a wagon tire um, okay 
But essentially, the pneumatic tire hasn't really changed. Um, you know, you have your stem that goes through the rim. The rim would have been metal. Um, you know, you have a, a rubber tube uh, that you fill with air. And then you have yeah. a hard rubber shell that has grips on it that goes over the tube. Right. So basically, the, the, first, the first pneumatic tire is more or less what we have now. Yeah. Um, and it, there's really, outside of, you know, you have your different types of stems and you have, you know, better, um, obviously, rubber to do this with. Uh, that being said, the, like, really high-end tubber, uh, tires are still heavy. Okay. Now, obviously, you're gonna you're gonna not hand make these, but the the really high ends you'll you'll get, they they will be handmade. Um, the the guys riding the Tour de France they're they're riding on handmade, um, essentially tire tubes and stuff like that. Very wild. Um, I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, but um, this really changed the the bone shakers, um, to you know something actually rideable. Um, yeah which I think is, is very cool. Um, and where was I going to go with this? Yeah. Like it, again, it, it made the bicycle easier to use for everyone. Sure. Um, and of course, whenever you have any invention of the bike, uh, you have a million people like copycatting everything. So, sure. um, these were invented in 1888. Um, obviously they would have been immediately applied to, you know, essentially the rover safety bicycle design, uh, because once the, the rover sure. safety bicycle came out, everyone was making a bike that looked like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't really like enforce like, no, you can't. I'm suing you for making making a bike that looks like mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you're in Coventry, I believe that's when the where the rover safety was uh, was made. Like you're you're not you're not going down to London and like finding out who's making bikes of the same model, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, happening under your nose, and there's just there's just no way of controlling it essentially at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So all these things and 1888 modern bicycle essentially, as as much if if the this rubber safety bike was a modern bike, um, you know if you're gonna go back in time and ride the first modern bike, go back to 1888. Um, so you have a smoother ride. Okay, interesting. Now, hmm. um, bike innovation kind of slows down uh, from this point, at least in sort of the major <laughs> things. And the bike's yeah. still not a hundred years old at this time. Um, but you you have you have this like bike craze. Everyone's on bikes. Imagine it's a great time. Um, you know, <laughs> born. Born too late to be part of the golden era of biking. <laughs> um, born too early to be when the 15-minute city concept takes off. Um, born just in time to make podcasts about bikes. There we go. It's a win-win. <laughs> um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a quick story. And there's a few more things I want to touch on in this episode. Um, so this man... Um, he's an Italian. Um, I, I, I'm going to do my best with his name here. And it, it's Tullio Campagnolo. I don't know. Look at the script. See if we can pronounce it better. Um, Tullio Campagnolo. Sure. 
Yes. Um, whenever, whenever I need his name set, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call on you. Here. Um, now, the Tour de France started in 1904, I believe, um, and it kind of went, um, went to modern day. They took, they took a break for World War One and World War Two. Um, so early, early, as as I said, early early Tour de France. Uh, you know, you could you could argue that uh, it would have would have been a you know not change much. Um, sure. Not that people have died in the Tour de France, but uh, I don't I don't know if anyone was straight shot off their bike. But um, at at this time, bikes um, they only had two gears, and you couldn't you couldn't shift them like we do now. Um, mm-hmm. So, our boy here, can you say his name again, please? Tullio Capagnolo. Thank you. Um, he, he was riding, and uh, you, you generally, you had um, your, rear, your rear cassette. Um, your kind of, you had one on one side of your tire, and you had one on the other side of your tire. And anytime you would have, like, one for, you know, flats and one for climbing, um... Uh, and anytime you wanted to shift gears, you had to stop. You had to, you know, take the bolts off your back tire, take the chain off, pull your back tire out, turn it around, and then put it back in, you know, put the chain back on and bolt it back up. Sure. Um, and obviously anytime, you know, you have a puncture as well, you need to unbolt it, um, change your tire tube, and then bolt it back up. Um, so and basically I mean, bring all bring all these tools with you on the on the on the race. Yeah, or, or you know put them in your jersey. Obviously, people were not wearing like modern bike jerseys at this time. Uh, they sure. could have just been wearing the clothes they owned, and, like not padded shorts. No, no, no. These these people were insane. Uh, no, <laughs> they were they were hard hard men. Uh, they were they were tough. But um, so this this guy's riding and. Uh, it's it's really really cold, and I assumed he's he's in the the mountains and stuff. And um, his his he needs to change his tire or he needs to take it off. And because his hands were so cold, um, he couldn't he couldn't get the the nuts off. Yeah. Um, and this pissed him off. Um, I I assume Ooh. he I don't know if he is winning before this happened or whatever, but this made him so angry. Um. Do you, want, do you want to guess what he, he invented? I don't know. Something – I say most uh, most great Italian innovations happen when an Italian gets angry. Uh, like Lamborghini as well, same story. So I, tell me, what, what did he invent? So naturally, when, when I heard the story, I thought, oh, they, they would invent something that allows them to change gears without taking their wheels off. Um, but no, they invented the quick release. Um so that's the thing. Usually back bike tires have these, generally not the front tires, um, unless you're on a, a more higher-end bike. Um, and these are things you you t- essentially, um, you're on the one side you have the nut, which you can generally like only do finger tightening, and then you untighten it, and then just a little bit, and then you pull a lever on the other side, and the entire thing comes out. And the entire screw comes out, so then you can pull out the wheel, and you know do whatever and put it back on, put it back in. Right. And it takes like literally seconds. Um, like you can take off your wheels in no time flat, put them back in. 
um, or change wheels, whatever. Right. Um, yeah, he, he invented the quick release. Um, this is another thing that's like used a lot in, in other things. Anytime you have like something that's rotating that needs to be changed a lot, you know, you can kind of sure. quick release there. Um, I have multiple quick releases just lying around because you always use a different one for your turbo trainers or whatever, your smart trainer. Um, I, I yeah, just think yeah. it's hilarious because like instead of like, oh man, maybe I should invent something that allows me to like shift gears without stopping or whatever. He he invents <laughs> he the quick release instead. Um, so they, they it, how did they switch gears at this time? Oh, so if they had two again, two gears, yeah, you'd have a gear. So um, you'd have your rear rear cassette, um, your rear cog. You'd have one on each side of the tire, right? And to change gears, uh, you would just pull the tire off and then turn it around. So your tread it didn't matter. It, it didn't have like a four. I see. And then I see. I see. The other way. So, yeah. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, you can, you can <laughs> okay. imagine how the Tour de France would look. Um, so you have all these guys like ride up the mountain, stop at the very top, pull their back wheel off, flip it around. So now they're on their like flat gear downhill gear, um, and then like go down. <laughs> and that's crazy. There's a big time loss in doing that. Um, yeah. But no, like people, you know, the first kind of 30 years uh, of the Tour de France, people were doing that. Um, huh. Interesting. And obviously other people. That's funny because also at that time, cars cars did have, they, they did have like transmissions and different amounts of speeds and gears and stuff like that. So it's, it is kind of bizarre that, that, that they, yeah, like that, yeah. that they, they, didn't, they didn't do that. But yeah, fair enough. You know, innovation is bit by bit. So. And the story of the bike is so funny because it's like why wasn't it invented earlier and you know why why weren't all these stuff uh all the stuff like applied earlier but this is definitely one of them yeah um, in 1938 we got our first bike bicycle shifting systems now okay um if you think of shifting nowadays you know you have the cable on like your handlebars or you, you have the little thing you like you know press the button and then your bike will like shift the, the rear derailleur, what it's called, mm -hmm. derailleur, will, will move either out or in uh, to put the chain on the right kind of cog um, for whatever gear you right. want. Um, these things, you know, they still only had a couple of gears, and you actually had to reach back as you were riding, and there would have been a little bit lever in that kind of rear triangle. Um, that Jeez. So... Which is which is wild. So again, like they they had cables and stuff, obviously, at this time. But they they invented the rear derailleur, but they didn't make it practical at all. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, cable cable. I, I'm pretty sure that you know, um, for example, like airplanes at that time, they were all there was tons of airplanes at that time, yeah. and they were all being governed by like. I don't know, maybe not cables, but certainly linkages, like yeah. to, to adjust the flaps and stuff like that. So it's bizarre that, that, yeah, the, you know, those types of innovations did not transfer over yet. They, they were not, yeah, and in place yet, I kind suppose. Of, kind of once, once we got, we get to, you know, the 1900s, uh, bikes, you know, especially, especially, um, 
kind of in in this era like people start moving over to cars right so sure um, even, even though you know early early car makers like ford motor company all these uh what other brands starts with the p um pony packard pontiac pergot peugeot peugeot Pugo. like um yeah. they, they were bike making companies first and, and like the right ah. brothers you know, they started as bike builders and they, they built yeah. their, their planes in their bike workshop. Um, <laughs> like, but then none of this came back and, and was ever like applied. Like once, once these companies moved on, once these people moved on, it almost seems like they never came back to innovate on the bike. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so eventually um, the derailers got better and you, you kind of got front derailers as well. Uh, so you have yeah. the two front cogs and, uh, those were called, you know, down down tube shifters because they were put on the down tube of the bike. Um, I right. call them suicide shifters. That's kind of like what people call them as like a, yeah. a nickname. And uh, those were actually around till the 1990s. Um, sometimes you would have them put on the kind of center of the handlebars. Um, yeah. And these those weren't so bad. Go ahead. Sorry. Th those were not so bad. <laughs> yeah, those were slightly safer. Um, these were non-indexed, by the way. So meaning that um, it wasn't like a button you pressed and then shifted. Like Yeah, the, the it was by feel. Would, yeah, the cable would directly control the, the derailleur. And you'd yeah. have to do it by feel. So you'd have to set your derailleur um, to make sure it like, wouldn't slide off. It didn't have a long enough range to like uh, go off. Or you'd, you'd put your chain off. Um, sucks yeah. to do it. Been there, done that a few times. <laughs> Um, in, in the, the 1990s, we finally got, uh, you know, apparently they finally put those on the handlebars, um, and index shifting kind of came around this time as well. Yeah. Um, which is wild. Again, another like way later than I thought it would be. Um, and then 1989, um, so up, up until now, um, by the way, we're skipping all over mountain bikes, um, which came around in the like during the the oil crisis um so okay um when when bikes were first made they were made out of wood and and eventually like steel was uh was integrated into them and wooden steel uh till eventually they were mostly steel um eventually in the in the again the 19th century uh aluminum would would be used for certain bike parts as well um, a lot of people swore by aluminum, yeah. it's lighter, stuff like that. Um, but whenever you change a material, you kind of have to, like, because of its strength, you either need to make your parts bigger um, or smaller, and your shaping is very important. And uh, rule, mm -hmm. rule number one of, of uh, biking is, uh, is arrows everything. Right. Um, so, okay. you know, more aerodynamic, better. Um, and right. steel, steel with a, aluminum parts was really like the thing to do up until 1989, um, when the okay. first carbon fiber bike, um, hit the tour de France. Really? As early as 1989 was, there was a, there was carbon fiber bike bikes. Yeah. And, uh, really? the, Interesting. look it up, look it up. Um, it looks very much like a steel bicycle. Um, sure. Steel bicycles, generally your parts are, are round. Um, your early carbon fiber bike, same thing. Um, 
I'm just gonna Google it and I'll tell you what to Google. Um, first car bike. So the um, Kestrel 4000. Um, All right. Yeah. I'll use this one here. And uh, it, it was generally Kestrel. like the design of it looks very much like a steel bike, in my opinion. Um, I'm just going to bring it up. But yeah, it was obviously so light um, that people immediately like, oh, this is important. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a pretty modern bike, to be honest. Yeah. It's got the, the, the wide bars as well, like the wide... Um like the they're not circular they're yeah. they're they're not tubes they're they're flat tubes and this is kind of where like the advantage of carbon fiber is you can make weird shapes with it that are more arrow sure um even even like modern day um steel frames and steel like there we could we could talk about the different like changes in types of steel they use to make bikes um you're yeah. always gonna have like round round shapes they can just make them smaller i i think steel frames look amazing um but yeah your your early carbon fiber um you can immediately start making stuff more of like an airfoil shape sure which is more arrow um and that's uh that kind of leads us to where we are today um, yeah generally if if we're talking pros in the tour de france um they're going to be riding almost exclusively full carbon fiber bikes. Um, yeah. Funny enough, they actually have um, generally tour riders. They, they have more than one bike that they ride. Um, <clears throat> that makes sense. So there's like sprint stages and they'll, they'll ride a more like aerodynamic bike. Um, than their like regular stage, which is interesting. Sure. Well, if you're in the peloton, then you then arrow doesn't matter quite as much as if you're if you're up front on your own, right? Or you know, yeah. uh, doing the time trials. So and and to to be fair, um, if you're gonna win the Tour de France, you're drafting up until the very end, right? Yeah, yeah, um, within striking distance. Yeah, we we will. That's that's gonna be our next episode. Is uh, that we record is is going to be like how the tour tour series works. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so carbon fiber frames, um, I would say kind of the most important thing past that, in my opinion, is like electronic shifting. Um, sure. So lots of, lots of advancements and innovation within within the components. Yeah, and, and making everything lighter and stuff like that, like making everything carbon fiber. Um, like even, even my, um, even like the bolts on my bike, like I have, to, I have to use a torque wrench and be like super mm. careful because they're yeah. incredibly soft. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And the, the bolts, the bolts are made of still metal. They're not, they're not some kind of like carbon fiber or something that holds it together. It, it is metal. They look metal uh, to me, but yeah, um, I, I don't know if they're magnetic or anything, if they have any like yeah. nickel, whatever in them. Um, yeah. Modern day. Uh, DI shifting, like electronic shifting now is insane. Like it will even shift for you. Um, really? Yeah. Like an automatic gearbox. Yeah, like, like an automatic transmission, essentially. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I, I don't quite, 
I'm not quite sure that they've they've reached the point where they'll use like GPS and elevation to like shift for you. Um, yeah. With that, you know, that's that's probably you know the next I would say innovation is like um, GPS and stuff like there. Yeah. Um, oh, that's super cool. Of course, like power meters became a thing. Um, I believe in the '90s. And that's, you know, you can tell how many watts um, you're putting into the pedals to determine kind of, um, you know, how powerful you are. Um, yeah. And that just helps your and, training. And your electric shifting, is that is that battery powered or is that powered by the, by, by the, um, by your kinetic energy? No, I, it's, it's battery powered. Um, I will need to charge it like once a year. Um, it's Okay. It is rechargeable though. Yeah, it, it only ever um, uses power. Like, it only turns on when you hit the button. Sure. Essentially. Um, Interesting. I, I assume if you have, like, the essentially, you know, electric transmission um, for your bike, I assume that's going to be on when you're riding it. But like, yeah. at, least, at least in my case, yeah, it turns on when you hit the button. Um, yeah, it's, oh, it's very near, cool. It's near immediate. Um, it's really cool. It's waterproof and everything. Yeah. Um, uh, that's super cool. Yeah, I would say like once once we hit um, like rear derailleurs being made and really mm -hmm. like index shifting, um, sure you have like power meters after that, you know, electronic shifting. Yeah. Stuff like that. I, I honestly like, I think, you know, the bikes, like to my knowledge, it's, it's done. Yeah, br the broad innovation is finished now. Yeah, I think I think everything's just going to be like uh, hyper refining everything. Um, yeah. Efficiency at this point. Yeah. Huh. Oh, that's very cool though. Interesting how how n now like as we as we zero in on 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 bikes and innovation. I mean, but you know, at the same time now bike innovation is moving towards like electric bikes and yeah. Uh, you know these types of things, and and you know big big funky tires and different sizes. But yeah, like the for sure, like the materials, it's it's done. The geometry, it's done. Um, and now and now they're kind of starting to to yeah to move it in in other directions. And and frankly, an electric bike has more in common with a moped or or a motorcycle than anything else, right? Yeah. So yeah, like um, I think my favorite part of this though is a full circle and like the modern balance bike for kids is essentially yeah. like the first bike um, yeah <laughs> we've, we've literally like invented the trike and like the training wheels um yeah and all this stuff just to like get kids back on on you know balance bike um back on the sure. machine yeah yeah it's funny it's funny how uh how, how what, what was once cutting edge is now for the beginners <laughs> exclusively yeah and um, and really the only change between like his his original um, balance bike and the modern balance yeah. bike is, is obviously now it has a like double like the diamond the double diamond or the double triangle design, um, yeah, which is like are super you know efficient. Um, the only I think bikes that don't do that um, are mountain bikes. Um, they do not have the the double diamond because they 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 generally have like um, their seat post doesn't hit the bottom. Right. You also see yeah, some like, like time trial bikes 
Um, I'm not super familiar with like track cycling, but you see some like time trial bikes that don't have a sure. post as well. Yeah. But yeah. Huh. Yeah. And that, and when you say the mountain bikes that don't have that, you're talking about full suspension mountain bikes. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Like cross country mountain. Yeah. yeah. Like a downhilling bike. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's very cool though. That's interesting history. Thanks for sharing that. It's super cool. Yeah. Um, hopefully it was like in some way easy to follow. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm good at learning stuff, bad at communicating what I learn. Uh, <laughs> good thing my job doesn't require me to do that at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> good thing the state doesn't have to pay you to do that. <laughs> yeah. Good thing. Good thing there's no chat GPT. I could, you know, run these scripts through to say, can you make this make more sense? The order. <laughs> yeah. Um, so all right on. I think that the next episode we'll record is just going to be like on sort of the history of the Tour de France and, uh, <clears throat> and how that works. I, I want to do that uh, for this episode. Sure. But I think if we're talking about like, yeah, and then they, you know, invented derailers. Um, that's kind of like a tangent and stuff like that. Sure. Um, where yeah. they, I think, honestly, understanding the Tour de France uh, is, is a full episode. Oh, for sure, at least. Even? Yeah, and also and also the whole league, because the whole league that it supports, because there's, a, there's a, tour to, a tour of Turkey, Tour d'Italia, Tour yeah. of, like, you know, all over the place. So, like, it's a huge... Uh, the Tour de France is by far, far and away, the, the most popular and so one that we that we all know about, but it's really it is part of a, the the bigger, yeah, you know the bigger uh, the bigger league. Like an entire entire season of racing, right? Like uh, like cycle, cyclists don't just work for three weeks of the year. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and and just like the culture around bikes, um, in in terms of like cycling, I, that's definitely a full full episode. Um, yeah. So, thanks thanks for being on the show. Thanks. Of course. Thanks for having me. I enjoy uh, learning with you. Um, yay. If uh, <laughs> any, any bike suggestion or book suggestions, uh, I, I talked about these last, um, last day. So Robert Penn, it's all about the bike, um, the pursuit of happiness on two wheels. Um, I've read that book. Well, actually I'm halfway through that book. So may maybe the next chapter tells me I'm wrong about everything. Who knows? Um, it's also a BBC documentary that's, uh, based on this book. Um, okay. Then, um, talked about, or I use obviously a source two wheels. Good. The history and mystery of the bicycle by Jody Rosen. Um, you know, so if you're interested in that book, um, before we recorded, I was reading, um, the Hardman Legends of the Cycling Gods uh, by the website Velio Minati, uh, which just talks about some of like the great um, cycling or the legends of cycling and some of the like stuff they did, which uh, um, you know is important for a little bit of the context of the tour that uh, that I've I've been learning about. I literally like this entire weekend, well, past two days, past three days. I've just been like mm -hmm. learning about the tour or like bike racing. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's cool. I can recommend the movie, the racer. It's a, yeah. uh, it, it covers the, um, the life and pace of pace of life. And, uh, that, uh, that these racers, um, endure as well as th this, the, the movie is set in the nine in the late nineties. 
So uh, it also involves a, a huge portion about the, uh, the craze of performance-enhancing drugs, ELO, um, blood transfusion, and all those, those different uh, key hot topics at that time. Um, I can really recommend uh, to take a look at that before the, the, next, uh, the next episode. All right. We just gave the listeners homework. So do, do exactly. Homework. I'll do my homework. Um, and with that, let's let's close it off. Uh, so you know, don't don't do anything I wouldn't do or haven't done. I want to see you all here next month. Right on. See you guys. <laughs>